Hey, it's Lisa Ann here. Thanks for joining me on another episode of the More Than Social podcast. I'm a digital marketing expert, self-development junkie, and your go-to for all things marketing, ads, and automation. I'm so excited that you popped by to hang out with me today, so let's dive right into the topic. When it comes to content creation, there is so many different methods out there that could work for your business. But in my opinion, I would rather follow someone who is truly implementing and seeing the success right now and really picking their brain. And that's why I'm so excited for this podcast interview with Chris. He is an expert when it comes to creating content, whether that is on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, really doesn't matter. He is a guy that is really, really crushing it when it comes to organic marketing. He does not run any paid ads and the growth that he has seen, it's unbelievable. So I am so excited to introduce you to this guy. He is a fellow Canadian. So we talk all about trauma beliefs to begin with and Darcy Tucker, but then we get into some really nitty gritty aspects. And I I feel like I just picked his brain about everything because even for myself, I want to learn this stuff. So you are absolutely going to love it. You are going to take away so many different golden nuggets. So let's dive right in. Hey, Chris, welcome to the More Than Social podcast. Thank you so much for having me. And always good to talk to a fellow Canadian. (laughs) Absolutely. I feel like a lot of people I interview on the podcast, they're actually from the States a lot. So glad to have the Canadians here. Well, I'm I'm Canadian, but I now live in the US, but uh, Toronto will always be home for me. Yeah. Where is it exactly in Toronto? Where? Yeah, was, I, I did that thing, right? I did that thing where I'm like, it's Toronto. It's actually Pickering. So it's, okay. it's actually Pickering. Obviously, I spent a lot of time in Toronto. And that was where I was living downtown before I moved to the US. But yeah, it's Pickering, Ontario. Amazing. I've, I've been to Pickering a few times. Actually, I met Darcy Tucker, the Toronto Belief, at the Pickering market there. And that was the first time I've ever went to Pickering. <laughs> oh, that's the flea market, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. My yeah, sister's funny. favorite hockey player. So there we go. Me too. Me too. So Darcy Tucker, if you're ever listening to this, yeah, we all love you. What's um, up, <laughs> Exactly. So I'm from, well, originally from Burlington, but I'm out in Beamsville. Do you know Beamsville? Yes, I do know Beamsville. Yeah. It's on the way to Niagara Falls. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So not, not too far from Toronto, but I'm yeah. not a big city girl. I love it. Yeah. Amazing. So I know we just jumped into right to the Canadian aspect, but <laughs> besides being Canadian, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are, what you do, and your your journey, because it's been incredible to kind of like hear all about your success. I've spent my life as a broadcaster. So actually in, in Toronto, in Ontario, you may remember Sun TV. I was on Sun TV for a few years. I was also on a show called 969 on Razor TV, which became MTV2 Canada. And I was also, I started my career on Chex TV in Peterborough, Ontario. So I've spent the majority of my career as a TV host slash broadcaster slash reporter. Obviously, the world of broadcasting has changed a lot over the last decade or so. I still do a lot of stuff in television and radio, but what I'm really doing in the day-to-day is content creation. And that applies to everybody, not just people that are professional broadcasters. That applies to everybody. And I love that everybody online can have a voice. So I'm a YouTuber now. My main YouTube channel has over 500,000 subscribers. I also have obviously TikTok, Instagram, all that. I have a podcast as well that is now 550 episodes into it. So that's really the space that I operate in now. 
And I've really found, and I can't wait to dive into this with you, but the, the space I've really found that I've been getting a lot of traction, a lot of growth is vertical video. So we're talking reels, shorts, TikToks, that little just crumb, that little slice of uh, your content to kind of give people a taste test about who you are and what you're all about. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And, you know, as you were talking, I'm like, you have such a radio or broadcasting voice. And I'm, I'm just really curious. It's a very odd question. Is that something that you had to learn or are you just naturally have the broadcasting voice? That's a great question. And I don't know. I, I okay. feel like this has always been my voice. Maybe the cadence that I speak has changed a little bit. Like I would hope I don't sound like you're traditional broadcaster that would be like, tonight on the six o'clock <laughs> news, we've got some breaking news. I hope I'm not talking like that. No, no. <laughs> but I, I think that when you're on camera, as much as I've been in my career, you're trying your best to remove the ums and the ahs. And I think that that you know, lends itself a little bit to a broadcaster talk, if you will. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My grandfather was a radio host. Don't know what radio station or anything like that, but I would always, my mom always talks about his broadcasting voice. So it's interesting to say. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. The full circle, but okay. So one thing I want to pick your brain about, so you mentioned the vertical short videos, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Have you seen one specific platform kind of outperform other platforms as of right now? It's so interesting because I post the same vertical videos across all of those, right? So I usually start on YouTube as a YouTube short and then I go over to Instagram and I will tag someone as a collaborator. Even if I haven't asked them, I'll just tag them. And if they accept, great. If not, mm -hmm. no big deal. Then I move over to Facebook, do the same thing, TikTok. And then I also put it on Twitter as well as a vertical video. What's interesting to me is some videos will take off on one platform and just kind of chug along on the other ones. So I will say that I don't think there's been one platform that has exploded more than the others as a whole. But I think when it comes to individual videos, some that I think are going to do great on TikTok don't do that well on TikTok. And other ones that I think, oh, that's probably not going to play as well with the YouTube audience, that gets a ton of views. I will say this, a lot of people are sleeping on Facebook and you need to stop sleeping on Facebook. And I know that Facebook feels like this thing that we did 10 to 15 years ago and now it's just your parents or grandparents that are on there now. The growth on Facebook is so huge and the reach on there is massive because of that share button. So if you're already posting content on all the other social media platforms and you haven't posted on Facebook in a few years, and that used to be me up until about a year and a half ago, I started posting on Facebook and everything has changed. I went from 250,000 followers on Facebook and it was stuck at 250,000 followers for like years. Like it would go up a little and then go down and then go up a little and go down. I'm now at like 610,000 followers on Facebook in the last six months. I grew that much. Wow. So stop sleeping on Facebook is, yeah. is the real message here. <laughs> I've actually, so I've been using, like I run Facebook and Instagram paid advertising and I've been doing that for eight years. And I was looking at my client's stat this morning with some of her ads, figuring out like where most of her leads are coming from. 99% of them are coming from Facebook. 99%. That's amazing. Yeah. Which is wow. wild because she's has a younger audience, everything. But yeah, you're totally right. Don't sleep on Facebook. The potential there is massive. Now, are you doing all of this organically or do you run any paid ads? I don't run any paid ads right now. So it's all organic. And 
basically we're taking my podcast episodes where I have a guest on the show and we're clipping that up. You, you know exactly what I'm talking about here. Mm-hmm. We're clipping it up into five to eight to maybe 10 vertical video clips. And I like to think of those as the breadcrumbs, right? Because if somebody sends you a link and says, oh, you got to listen to this podcast. It's so good. And you click on it and the runtime is an hour and 19 minutes. You're going to go, I am not listening to an hour and 19 minutes. But if someone sends you a clip, and it's 34 seconds long, pretty good chance you're going to watch most or all of that clip. So I clip out these interesting and funny and memorable moments from the podcast. I like to call those the breadcrumbs. And then hopefully that leads someone to checking out the clips, which are two to five minutes. We're talking about a widescreen video, 16 by nine video on my YouTube clips channel. I like to think of that as the slice of bread. And then if you really like that and you want the loaf of bread, you can go find the full episode on either YouTube or the podcast. I mean, so you're doing a little backwards, full podcast episode, break that down into clips, which are the two to three minutes, and then break those clips down into short videos. Exactly. So it's the loaf of bread that goes to the slice of bread that goes to the crumb of bread or vice versa. Wow. I love it. Okay. And so I don't actually do the clips. So can we talk about that a little bit? And you yeah. mentioned that you have a clips YouTube channel specifically. And I, I know last time we talked, someone asked you specifically, do you need multiple YouTube channels? And you have two, I believe, right? Yeah. So yeah. here's the thing for me is I think that success leaves clues. And that's a quote from Tony Robbins that I come back to quite frequently. And when I was looking at all of the other big podcast channels like Joe Rogan's or Logan Paul's, et cetera, et cetera. They all had the main channel where they had the hour or two or three hour long interview. And then they had a separate channel where it was just the clips. And I was posting clips on my main channel. And I think that it really confused the YouTube algorithm. I don't know this for a fact, but this is my take on it. My watch time was generally 10, 15, 20 minutes on an hour long interview. And then I would put up these clips that are two or five minutes long, the watch time on those might be 60 seconds or a minute. And I think YouTube's going, wait a second. We were so used to relying on you for 15 or 20 minutes. Why are you giving us only 60 seconds now? Well, what's happened here? So my watch time as a whole started going down. I felt like my videos weren't being shown as often. So I created a separate clips channel. Again, success leaves clues. And I feel like just giving people just that little taste test has really helped. My clips channel, which is two-ish years old, eclipsed my main channel, which is 13 years old. It eclipsed it like very quickly. And I think it's because people are just looking for that little taste test. So I set up this clips channel that just has shorts and clips on it on there. Okay. So then when you post the shorts, are you linking it to the clips or are you just hoping that they click on the video or one of the videos that pop up at the end is going to be your clips? So YouTube used to have the function on shorts where you could put a link in the Mm -hmm. comments. They've taken that away. Now you can only link to uh, another video that's within your own channel. So I'm just linking to another video on my channel. And I'm hoping that people are aware of the other channel. Within the clips, Yes, the the widescreen clips. I'm I'm linking to a full the full video, and I'm also using it as a little um, a card on on YouTube. And then the end screen video is also the full the full episode. Interesting. So then, sorry, I know I'm asking a lot of questions right now. This is the, great. Let's get technical here. <laughs> yeah, I'm a very technical person. So the full length videos on YouTube. Do you ever post any clips or shorts on that, or it's just the full length? Not anymore. That channel is just the full length interviews. And that, that seems pretty 
constant with some of the other big YouTube channels. And I'm like, if it's working for them and they're getting millions of subscribers, I'd, I'd like to think it could work for me. Yeah, I mean, obviously what you're doing is working. So I appreciate you sharing more like the technical little nitty gritty stuff with us. Of course. Yeah, and I also think there's a message in that, right? Like if there's somebody else within your space or an adjacent space that's doing something and you're kind of from the outside looking in and going, that thing seems to be working. Put your own spin on it and see if it works. Give it 30 days, give it 60 days and see if it works for you. And if not, it's, it's not like it's gonna cost you anything. You just go back to what you were doing before. Absolutely. And have you found from a growth perspective, let's start with the short aspect of it, with the small clips that you're putting out there, all small shorts, have you found like a sweet spot in terms of like the length of the videos that work best for you? I'm usually doing 60 seconds or less because that's kind of the magic number, especially on YouTube for it to be a vertical video. If you post anything that's over a minute, they automatically make it a YouTube video instead of a short. Okay. So, but I'd say that we're looking for a, just one thought, usually one thought that's maybe 25 to 45 ish seconds could be more, could be a little bit less, but generally speaking, it's one thought. And that's actually something that goes back to my early days when I started in radio. I remember my producer telling me like one of the main things you want to do, because when you're a radio announcer, you've got 15, 20, 30 seconds, like on the lead up of a song, right? Like the, mm -hmm. the intro for the song is playing and then the artist is going to start singing. You can't jam too much information in there. And I remember him saying like, the most important thing you need to do is just keep it to one thought. Every time you do a radio break, that's what they're called. Just keep it to one thought. A really important thing when it comes to shorts is you've got to engage the audience in the first two or three seconds. Because as we know, you're scrolling along, right? You're just scrolling along looking for something that's gonna make your thumb stop. Mm -hmm. And I think that you need to have an engaging piece of video, a hook as some people call it. Mine are usually just like clips from the interviews I've done. So it's it's an engaging part of that interview that's gonna get them to thop, stop their thumb and continue watching. So those first two or three seconds are so important to get someone to keep watching. And I think it comes down to the two E's. It's, is your video entertaining? Or is your video educational? Because those are the two things that are likely to get shared the most. If it's educational, you learn something, maybe you're going to pass it on to a family member or a friend and go, oh, wow, I never knew this. If it's entertaining, maybe that's when you pass it on to a family member where you go, this is hilarious. This reminds me of you so much, you know, all those different types of things. Yeah. Now, do you do both educational and entertaining? With your content? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I would like to think that the interviews we do has a, a mixture of both. I've found that probably the entertaining stuff seems to work a little bit better on my channel, but it really just depends on who your audience is. Absolutely. Okay. So let's dive into the audience because I know that you've gotten really specific with your audience. And I was telling you before we actually recorded that I have a lot of conversations with people about their dream clients in order to attract the right people to them. And I always get the comment of, I don't want to get too niche down because I'm scared that it's going to limit my growth. So thoughts on that and how do you actually avoid that mindset? So I'll talk about the audience that I now have. So I've spent my entire life as a broadcaster, most of that as an entertainment reporter. So I've been so fortunate to travel the world and interview some of the biggest stars on the planet, like Tom Cruise or Oprah Winfrey or Morgan Freeman, Sylvester Stallone, the list goes on and on. I'm also a huge pro wrestling fan. So through the access that I've had to interview actors and comedians and directors, I've also had a few wrestlers every once in a while. So if we're going way back here, 
WWE would come to town. I'd be a big fan. I'd say, could we interview a wrestler? Oh my gosh, this is so exciting. That turned into me asking like questions I genuinely wanted to know the answer to as a fan and just taking the raw version of those interviews and just throwing them up on my YouTube channel. We'd air 20, 30, 40 seconds. Then I'd put the rest of my YouTube channel. I really started to cultivate an audience who also were fans of wrestling. So, and that's, that's niche, right? Like you're going mm -hmm. from entertainment down to like sports entertainment, if you will, down to wrestling. So I think the idea here is like, if you're making content for everyone, you're really making content for nobody. Like you've really got to dial this in and become the expert. I think like, especially if you've niched down on that niche, like start to speak the language of the people in your niche. And that makes you sound like an expert even more. Because if you're speaking in these broad terms, someone who's stumbling across one of your videos online or some you know, podcast appearance that you've done online, they're going, oh, wow, that person's speaking in such broad general terms that I don't, I don't know if they really would get what I'm talking about. But if you really dial this in and you're speaking the language of the people within your niche, I think that right there skyrockets you to the top of the pile. Mm -hmm. And what did you find when you started to get really niche down into the wrestling industry? Did you notice a spike in your engagement and everything right off the bat? Or did that take you some time to get into the group of things? Or like kind of what did you see from a stat perspective? I was kind of doing both. So if you went to my YouTube channel, I had some Hollywood interviews and I had some wrestling interviews. And then there'd be times when it was a little bit more of one or the other. When I really started niching down on the wrestling interviews, and then I would throw a Hollywood interview in there because it was a big name like Henry Cavill or Ben Affleck or someone all the comments would just be people saying like, oh, I didn't know Ben Affleck was a wrestler, like, or when's the next wrestling interview? And I was like, oh, wow. Like, I think I've gone, I've gone past the point of no return here. <laughs> so I kind of, the audience was very clear on like, yeah, this stuff's great, but that's not really what we're here for. So as soon as I, I niched down on it, the growth started happening pretty quickly. Hmm. And it's interesting. Like, something that just popped into my mind. It's like, how much can you really talk about wrestling? Like, do you find that your content is the same over and over? Like, I know you're interviewing different people, but the overall concepts, like, do you ever get bored of the conversation? Not at all. No. And I think that that's the thing that I love about just the medium of podcasting in general is it's conversation, right? And so many interviews that I've done, where they're like the junket style interviews, you see them on TV all the time where the person sits in the same chair with the same background and every four or five minutes, a new journalist is coming in and asking questions. Those were so much more just like question, answer, question, answer. The thing I love about mm -hmm. the medium of podcasting is conversation can really go anywhere. And mm -hmm. pro wrestling is no different than sports where you've got a new storyline or you've got new things happening every single week. This person's injured. So what's going to happen now with this thing that's going on here? Like if you were to talk to someone who's a Toronto Maple Leafs fan, you know, if you talk to them at game four in the season and you talk to them at game 44 in the season, that narrative is completely different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That makes total sense. And and I'm just thinking back to when I was younger, Stone, what's his name? Stone Cold Steve Austin. Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> it's like, that's the guy that's in my head. It's like when I was getting babysat, the babysitter, she had four boys and all we would do is watch, watch that. So that was my favorite person that I'd watch on TV. <laughs> He's he a legend. A Love Stone yeah. Cold. Is he still alive? <laughs> Yeah, of course. He looks yeah, great okay. too. I had, had no idea. I honestly haven't 
looked at wrestling since then. Then obviously I see your content now and I'm just like, okay, yeah, yeah that's always the guy that pops into my mind. <laughs> He's <laughs> fantastic. Is, yeah, super funny. Okay, so now if you're using content so much for like your business, like what do you do on the back end of all this? Do you mean in like, where does this lead people to? Yeah, yeah. My main business is the podcast. My main business is leading people to the podcast and the ad sales that we have on the podcast. Okay. I also have a mastermind that I've built out for fellow creators who are trying to figure out their journey. It's called Full-Time Creator. You can check us out at fulltimecreator.co. So anybody who's in the creative space, anybody who's looking to be a creator, anyone's looking to grow, that's where I'm also pushing people towards because mm -hmm. the interesting thing about getting into the space of content creation is you sometimes feel like you're creating in a vacuum. Like even when you're doing an interview like this, you're still sitting in a room by yourself with just a camera. Mm -hmm. And I feel like sometimes you can just feel like you're so alone. So I've created this mastermind for people who are at various different stages of their content creation journey, whether they're at step one or maybe they haven't even taken that step yet, or they're you know a year or two or three in and they're looking to take things to that next level. So that in addition to the podcast is really what I'm driving people towards. Amazing. Good to know. I had, I had no idea of where it actually led. So that's interesting. I do have a question in terms of like the camera, lightnings, mic, all of that, just because you do have the production background or the broadcasting background. How important is it? Do you find that someone has good quality camera and lighting and the mic when they're creating content? If they're starting from very scratch, like is that important or is it just get content out there? Perception is reality. So if your content looks like crap, sounds like crap, people are instantly just going to think, yeah, that's crap. So I think that people underestimate the fact that we have this thing in our pocket, this in incredible supercomputer in our pocket with a fantastic microphone and a fantastic lens on it. You don't need to go out and buy a fancy DSLR camera like the one I'm looking at right now if that's not in your budget. Like start out with what you have and then figure it out from there. I will say that if you're going to be posting a lot of content online, get yourself some sort of a microphone. Get, get yourself, it doesn't need to be a, a super expensive microphone. Get yourself some sort of a mic so that the audio quality is that much better. Uh, if you really want to go top of the line, this is the Shure SM7B. I'm, I'm sure you recognize this microphone from a lot of different podcasts or a lot of different podcast clips. This is kind of like the, the 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 top you know the top of the line microphone four hundred dollars. Not everybody needs to buy a four hundred dollar Sure SM Seven B microphone, but any microphone is better than no microphone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And I used to struggle even. So I have the Yeti mic, and I struggled just to even get it set up. Like it was so confusing for me. So if you have someone that knows what they're doing, highly recommend that as well. I remember calling my podcast producer. She was just listening to me change all the dials. She's like, up, down, up, down. It was oh, not wow. my thing. <laughs> so once you're like, dialed in, though, you're good to go. I don't touch anything anymore. It's just good. good. Yeah, it's here. It's set up. I don't move. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say, you know, get yourself a tripod. That'd be a really good investment. Mm. You can get one on Amazon for $10, $15. That's an incredible investment. Sure, you can prop it up on the counter or something like that. But I think it's really important to, look, again, perception is reality. And you don't want some sort of shaky lens, some shaky camera or some blurry camera. You want it to look as good as you possibly can within the parameters that you have with what you have or your budget.
Mm-hmm, absolutely. And that also, like, I used to get my husband to record all my videos with me. So he would stand there and I, the tripod saved his life, I think. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> he didn't have to follow me around like a little puppy. But so yeah, tripods, you can get super cheap ones, you can get more expensive ones. Like I have a newer tripod that is more heavy duty, but there's so much out there that you can use to create content. And I do have one more question for you. I feel like I've just been like interviewing you like an actual interview from an editing perspective with shorts specifically because those are what's grabbing the most attention right now online there's people who have b-roll in their camera or in their videos they have the emojis randomly pop up they have two different angles of cameras on their videos have you noticed any specific trend that works best for you right now or anything that you would recommend from that standpoint I just think it needs to be interesting video. Like if, it, if it's an interview like this and it's just the two of us talking the entire time, I could see someone after 10 or 15 seconds, no matter how engaging or exciting this conversation is, I could see someone just being like, this is so boring just to look at. So that's why I think a lot of people are throwing in B-roll. I'm not personally a big fan of B-roll that doesn't match what we're talking about. Like I always think it's weird when you're looking at some people and they're talking about maybe they're talking about content creation in general. And then you've got a random person, like just some random like B-roll actor, like sitting there at a computer typing. I'm like, that's weird. I just feel like it takes people out of the situation a little bit. So mm-hmm. I I don't do that. I think B-roll is great, but I think it just needs to match what you're talking about. I had the emojis as part of my on-screen captions for a long time, but I told my editor on January 1st, I said, it's a new year. I think I'm not really feeling the emojis anymore. So we're going to, we're going to get rid of the emojis until further notice. So I really think it's, it's, it's dependent on your audience. It just needs to be something that speaks directly to your type of audience. And if you are niched down enough, you know exactly who you're speaking to. You know, if it's a, you know, around what age they are, you know, if they're male or female, you know what their interests are, you know how to speak directly to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it never hurts to test either. Absolutely. That's the, that's the great thing about social media is throw it out there. Like I, I'm a big believer in just take that wad of spaghetti, throw it at the wall. Something's going to eventually stick. And if something, if you post something and it doesn't work, if it doesn't get a lot of views and it doesn't get a lot of likes or comments or engagement, that's okay. Just move on to the next one. Just move on to the next one. Figure it out from there. Yeah. Eventually something's going to stick and then you'll dissect okay why did this one work maybe it was the overall captions i used maybe it was having the emoji the b-roll like it's totally like you said it's totally up to your audience i couldn't thank you enough chris for all of the content that you just gave us you're even making me think like the clips that's definitely something that i need to implement within my strategy so thank you so much for everything that you shared with us today i do have one more question and i ask this for all of the entrepreneurs who come onto the show if you could give one piece of advice to a fellow entrepreneur, it doesn't have to be about content creation, wrestling, niching down, anything like that, just advice in general, what would that one piece of advice be? First of all, thank you so much for having me. This has been such a great conversation and good to catch up with you as well. You. My one piece of advice would just be to go for it. Like I feel like the the barrier of entry is, is so low. And if, if we want to speak specifically about content creation, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work and you just move on. So I would just say, just trust your gut and just and just go for it. I think that's the biggest thing. And if, and if you're an entrepreneur who's on the fence about something or you're looking to start a business, just start. Like I think that that's such an important thing. 
is you need to go, like you need to take that first step in order for any of the other steps to happen. So that's what it would be for me. Amazing. I love it. And just as Nike says, just do it, just put it out there. It will all come together at the end of the day. Now, where can people find you? I know you mentioned the mastermind, but on social media, where could they find you? Well, if you're listening to this on a podcast, you can go check out my podcast, Insight with Chris Van Vliet. And then it's just my name at Chris Van Vliet across all social media. And if you are a content creator or aspiring content creator, go check out fulltimecreator.co. You can join for $1. See if it's for you. See how much you can grow as a creator within the group that we built out there. Amazing. I love it. And I will put all that in the show notes for everyone. But thank you so, so much from deep down my bottom of my heart. I cannot thank you very much. Thank no, you. No, I appreciate you. Thank you so appreciate much. Appreciate you. Thank you so much for hanging out with me on this episode. I am so grateful that you show up each and every week. I hope these tips and tricks have brought you some new ideas and new inspiration for your business. If you love this conversation, let me hear it. Leave us a rating and review on the More Than Social podcast and be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Share it with someone who you know needs this message and together let's make an impact and let's make a business that we love. I'll see you next week. Thank you.